welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, good morning, Awaken. You guys did such a much better job than the earlier service. I said good morning in the earlier service, and it was crickets. One person said good morning. Thank you for saying, replying. Um, I actually need you to come back up here, Micah. So Michaela in the first service said that if you fill out the card, you get coffee or any drink of your choice. I filled out my card. Great. So I just want to check it in, and I just want to, I put my name, my information, and then a box that says contact me for that drink. Perfect. So we'll appreciate that. that. <laughs> it's rare you hear a church say any drink, anything of your choice. I had to check with Michaela to qualify. Are you sure you mean anything? I'm a church planter. All right, so I'm excited to be here. Um, And I'm really excited because I got to choose what passage I was going to speak from. And I love the Old Testament. I'm an Old Testament junkie to the core of my being. I think that the Old Testament is like the dopest set of books ever. Dope is a good thing in this context. Uh, The dopest set of books. Got to qualify. of books ever. When I was in undergrad, I actually took Biblical Hebrew as my minor. Yeah, that's how much I like it. So um, I wanted to spend some time in Exodus 3, verses 1 to 10. Exodus 3 is when we have this burning bush experience with Moses. You guys are probably familiar with it. There was a study that was done on the top five most common stories, Christian stories, that everyone knows And the burning bush was number three on that list. So everyone, whether you are a believer or not, whether you grew up in the church or not, you tend to know about Moses' encounter with the burning bush. But before we go into the actual scripture, I want to set up the context for us uh, a little bit. I want to tell you what's going on in Exodus 1 and 2 so that we know why God meets Moses the way that he does in chapter 3. The Israelites... Uh, entered into Egypt during a time of famine. And in that time, they were allowed to live in Egypt. They began to prosper as a people. But then the Bible says that there was a Pharaoh that rose up that did not like the Israelites. And so he placed a burden upon them. He enslaved the Israelite people. And for almost 400 years, they lived enslaved in the land of Egypt. After this, there is a Pharaoh that comes next a pharaoh that rises up after the original pharaoh who also despises the Israelites and whose heart has been hardened towards the people. And it's in this context that we have baby Moses being born, a time where there's a pharaoh that is living that wants to kill off every Hebrew baby boy that is born. We know the story of Moses. Moses is saved by his mother. He's put in the river, his sister. I I envision the Prince of Egypt movie every time I tell this story. So the sister walking down the Nile River and waiting for Moses. Pharaoh's daughter coming and saving Moses out of the water. And then for the next 40 years, Moses lives as an Egyptian man. He's born a Hebrew, but now he is raised as an Egyptian man in Pharaoh's house. The very Pharaoh that decreed that he would be killed, he has to be raised under this man, and this man becomes his grandfather. And then Moses has this encounter where his eyes are open, he sees a taskmaster or an Egyptian uh, slave owner, if you will, beating up a slave. Moses goes, he interacts with the situation, and not 
the best Christian way. I mean, he kills the man. And then he flees, right? He flees then into the land of Midian and lives there for another 40 years. So I want you to close your eyes for a second and imagine what Moses looks like. He's 80 years old, a shepherd in the land of Midian. Go ahead, close your eyes. Moses. All right, open up your eyes. This would be an example of what Moses would have looked like. A North African man born as an Israelite living in the land of Egypt. Moses is not Charleston Heston, with blonde hair, blue eyes, and a really cool goatee, nor is he Christian Bale with six-pack abs. This, this is more like Moses right here. He's 80 years old, walking around the mountain of the Lord, and God encounters him in this place. So beginning in Exodus 3, verse 1, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There was the angel, there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, but it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. Then God said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. He went on further to say, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at the Lord. Then the Lord said to him, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on the account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up into a land that is good and broad, a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the Israelites have now come to me, and I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, 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 Moses. I will send you to the Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses receives his call at 80 years old. He's walking around this mountain that he must have traveled every single day of his life, between 40 and 80. And it is here that he sees this burning bush. Let's talk about the burning bush for, for a second here. Okay, if I saw a burning bush, I'd probably run first. Moses is a G, he didn't run. And then if the bush is calling my name, am I the only person? This is why if there was a scary movie, I wouldn't be in it. Black people go the opposite way of crazy things. Half of this room would be killed right now if we were in a scary movie. Ooh, let's look at the burning bush. No, if I saw a burning bush and it was calling my name, I would have dipped out. Not gonna stay around, but Moses, he stays. He hears, he sees the bush, it's burning, but it's not consumed. Essentially, it's not withered away. And he goes and he hears the Lord calling his name. And when he gets there, God says to him, take off your shoes. You are encountering me. You are in my presence. You are in holy ground. I love the call of Moses into his call as the savior, not the savior, but one who sets forth the Israelites as a liberator. What I love about this is that he encounters God 
in the ordinariness of his life. This is what an epiphany is. It's this aha moment that comes when the extraordinariness of God enters into the ordinariness of our life. Such a mundane task it would have been for Moses to walk around this mountain, and yet God meets him in this place. Then God calls Moses by his name, and there's two things that are happening here when God calls Moses. The first is that by calling his name, God is essentially calling out what it says in Psalms 139. I have known you when you, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. This is the deep paraphrase, when your mom and your dad decided to take it to the next level, I was there. I knew you. Isaiah puts it this way, I was there and I have engraved your name upon my hand. Moses, Moses, God is calling out to him, I see you, I know you, and I am here with you in this place. But the second thing that happens when Moses' name is called by God is what I want to spend some time on. Because this is something that we don't really talk about when we talk about the call of God on Moses' life. When God calls Moses, notice when Moses becomes afraid. Like I said, I'd be afraid at the burning bush. I'd have been afraid at God saying my name. But Moses isn't struck with fear until God says, I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is when God identifies himself as the God that Moses realizes he has just been situated into the larger story, into God's story, and he falls on his knees in fear. The story of Moses is very interesting to me because we see this transition of Moses. He begins as a Hebrew, then he moves into becoming an Egyptian, and then he moves into becoming a Midianite. He wears these outer garments of identity that are not the core of who he is. And it is when God calls him, and when God says, I am the God of your fathers, that God is going to the very core of who he has called Moses to be. Let's talk about these identities that Moses has been walking on, around in. The first is that of a Hebrew. I want to point out something in the text that you might have to go back and look at. But in Exodus 1 and 2, every time the Israelites are referred to by the Egyptians, the Egyptians calls them the Hebrews. Scholars say that the word Hebrew is a derogatory term. It means one who wanders, people without a home or a place. Moses' identity in the very beginning of his life was one without a home, without a place, without a purpose. And yet God meets him at this bush and says, I am the God of your fathers. The second identity that Moses takes on is that of the Egyptians. The Egyptians were privileged people. They were a prosperous nation, prosperous empire that became ever more prosperous for 400 years of enslaving other people. Does this sound familiar at all? Moses was an Egyptian man who got to operate in the power and the privilege of what it meant for him to be an Egyptian. He killed an Egyptian man, and there were no consequences for him because he lived in Pharaoh's house. And yet God says to him, I am the God of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The third identity that Moses cloaked himself in was that of a Midianite. I don't know if you know this, but the Midianites are actually descendants of Abraham. 
In Genesis 25, 1, it talks about the descendants of Abraham and the Midianites being included in that. The Midianites actually lived in Egypt, but when the Egyptians began to enslave the Israelites, they left. They were people who were indifferent, complacent about what was happening in Egypt because they didn't want to have anything to do with the conflict. There's three identities that Moses was walking around in. One of the Hebrew that was despised, the next of the Egyptian that was privileged, and the third of the Midianite that wanted nothing to do with the conflict in the land. And God says to him, I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it is in this moment that God reminds, Abra God reminds Moses that you are an Israelite. You are a promise bearer. You are a part of the people that I have called to deliver the message that I am here and I care for all. This is why Moses falls down on his knees. It's not because he is afraid of the presence of God, but it's because God has humbled him in this moment and has torn away the outer, the outer garments of the identities he has been wearing. He situates Moses in his call. Behold, I am the God of your fathers. The thing I love about epiphanies with God is God never brings us into epiphany just for ourselves. We never have God moments just for our own personal growth. He always turns us back outward and then says, go. And this is what he said to Moses. He grounds Moses in his identity and then he says, I am sending you back into the land that you have turned from to be a liberator, a peacemaker, and a reconciler, one who will set my people free. Church, I am here because I am concerned about the state of the church in this world. I am concerned about the state, not just of our nation, but the entire world. And I keep asking myself, where is the, where is the church? I even hashtag it all the time. I'm a millennial, so we're gonna hashtag. Hashtag, where is the church? Because when I look at this story of Moses, and I see the way that God removes all of these identities that are not core to the call of God's, life, God's call on Moses' life, I'm concerned that we as a church have not gone through this transformative process ourselves. Because what I constantly see is the church making a line across the ground saying, it's either our way or no way. You're either for us or you're against us. It's either this way or that way. When I was growing up, I grew up in Miami and we used to, okay, I guess I'm gonna tell this story. Um, I used to fight a lot as a kid. It's just, I used to fight a lot as a kid. And so I remember some of, okay, maybe not all of you, okay. So I used to remember we used to get our foot and we used to make a line across the sand, right? A line across the ground and we'd say, step across. If you wanna go at it, step across the line, right? We were super combative. Okay. This, I didn't say this to the last service. Maybe I should have kept that story to myself, right? That's how, that's how we would engage in conflict. Step across our side and let me show you, let me prove to you. But what I see God doing in Moses' life is he first humbles Moses. He brings Moses to his knees and God says, let me remove the outer garments of identity that you have been wearing and let me remind you who I have called you to be. There is a higher calling for the church to be peacemakers and reconcilers in this world. But if we continue to carry out, walk around in the outer garments of who we think we need to be, who the world says that we are, we will never 
see thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God gives you the call and he shows up into the mundaneness of your life so that you can turn outward and enter into a world that is broken and that is hurting. And God says to Moses, I want to send you back into Egypt to let my people know that I am the God that will set them free. And Moses, in classic Moses form, says, well then, okay, well, if I go back, who am I going to say sent me? They hate me over there. They're not going to recognize me at all. Who do I say sent me? And God says to him, I am that I am. Oh God, I love that. God says, tell the people, I am that I am. I is the personal pronoun, am is the present tense. I am that I am is the personal pronoun in the present tense. God is a self-defining being who always lives in the present. God says to Moses, tell them presence is here. Let them know I am with them. The thing that I love about the Old Testament and that I enjoy is that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Let me tell you what I mean by this. Everything that happens in the call of Moses happens in the New Testament when Jesus calls his disciples. There's an epiphany moment in the New Testament who is John the Baptist. John the Baptist goes around the ancient Near Eastern world and he says, make ye way for the Lord. He begins to baptize the people and says, I'm baptizing you with water, but there will be one who will baptize you in the spirit. John the Baptist is the epiphany for the ancient Near Eastern context in the New Testament. And then Jesus comes on to the scene and he begins to call the disciples by their name. One of the disciples says, well, how do I know that you are actually God. And Jesus says to Nathanael, I saw you sitting under the tree before your brother came and got you. Jesus says to his disciples, I know you. And for the next three years, Jesus grounds the disciples in their call to be reconcilers, to be healers, to be refreshment to people who are hurting. And then in Matthew 28 for the Great Commission, Jesus tells the disciples, now therefore go into the world. And what does Jesus say? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Awaken community, I am here because we are desperate for the church to begin to peel away these outer layers of identity that causes us to clash and to take a, ne a next step into the healing waters that God has for us and take on the identity of who we are truly called to be. I don't know about you, but I am desperate to see thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But we will not see it. We will not see it if we continue to wear the identities of those who are despised. We will not see it if we continue to wear the identity of those who are privileged in power and could care less about what is happening in our world. We will not do it if the church remains complacent and indifferent to what is happening less than a mile from this place. It is not a fun thing to have God begin to remove 
layers of identity that you have been walking around with for your life, most of your life. But God met Moses at 80 years old. He was 80 and God began to peel it away. And then God used Moses to bring forth liberation to a people that were hurting. So my prayer for you all, every person in this room, is that you would be bold enough to pray and ask God for epiphanies. Ask God for aha moments. Moments in which God will encounter you in the everyday moments of your life where he can ground you in your call to be the people of God so that the world would know that the Father really did send the Son and so that we can have lasting impact in this city and beyond. I'm gonna go ahead and call the band to come forward. And as they are coming forward, I'm going to pray for us. And what I want us to do in this prayer is I want us to just sit for a few moments in silence. I'm gonna pray for us and then the band will go ahead and play. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, because you are God. You are the I am that I am. You are a God of presence. You are always with us. Father God, I pray, Lord God, that you would bless this church. And by blessings, Lord God, I'm reminded that the Hebrew word for bless also means to bring low. God, I pray that you would humble us and that we would be reminded of our identity in you. And that through that identity, Lord God, that we would enter into a world that is hurting and that is broken, God. And that we would proclaim freedom and liberation, justice, God, and healing. That we would be the hands and feet of Christ. That we would not rely on others, Lord God. But that you, Lord God, would use us. And I pray all these things in the matchless and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God, as humans, that there are ways in which things are not as they should be. Would you open our eyes? Would you let us see things the way you see things? Would you let us see each other the way you see us? God, would you use this group of people who you've called to make all things new? So in whatever ways, God, we are living out of identities or places that are less than who you imagine and dream and hope for us to be, would you just turn on the lights, whatever that looks like, and whatever that next step might be? It may involve loving our kids differently or responding to our neighbor in a different way or not saying what we usually say at a family event and just choosing a different path. So God, open, open our eyes to see that. God, I lift up Dee and I thank you for her and her voice. Thank you for her courage, for her leadership, for, um, 
for this community that is being born in Northeast, in North Minneapolis. And so I ask your blessing on it. Would you anoint the work of their hands? Um, would you call them into being peacemakers and being reconcilers again and again and again? God, we thank you for who you are and that you've even asked us to be a part of this thing. So may we be found faithful, I pray. In the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Grace and peace, friends. Uh, if you need prayer for anything, our prayer team's always available after the gathering, so please uh, join them over on my right, your left. Grace and peace, see ya. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.